Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from kingly kinship to kicking killers. And today we're talking about the Kuotoa. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How are you doing today? I'm ready to talk about the Kuotoa. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm Okay, that's good. I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. Um, <laughs> what do you know about the Kuotoa? They have a funny name. <laughs> okay, so nothing. Is this no- an Eberron thing? No, it is not an Eberron oh, thing. okay. So, Kuotoa are one of the many type of fish people in Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, yeah. they got big old heads, They got right? big old heads, yes. Okay, yeah. Now, there are a lot of fish-like humanoids in D&D, and I'm not sure why exactly, but, there, I mean, there's a lot. There's, like, sea elves, tritons, merfolk, murrow, sahuajin, and, of course, now, the Kuotoa. You can have an underwater campaign. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. Definitely. Although, Kuotoa, they they live more in the underdark than they live in, like, the ocean. Okay. We're going to get into that. So, okay. despite the plethora of aquatic humanoids in D&D, though, Kuotoa definitely stand out against the rest as an extraordinarily unique race. So Kuotoa are degenerate fish-like humanoids that once inhabited the shores and islands of the surface world. Uh, long ago, though, humans and their elk drove the Kuotoa underground where they dwell in madness and everlasting night. Okay. They live in the black seas of the Underdark, building great temples to their imagined alien gods. They regard all other races as potential slaves or sacrifices. They tend to be mean, cruel, neutral, evil little guys. Okay. They're degenerates, so they're they're like... Yeah, we're going to get into doing why under, that is. Underdark graffiti. <laughs> no, they're not uh, hooligans. They're oh. just they're just they're they're messed up in the head, and oh. it's not their fault. Like they have degenerated, 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 much like the bullywugs have degenerated. Oh, okay. the Kuotoa are like so. They're a lot like the bullywugs, with the exception of the bullywugs aren't insane. Kuotoa are. Yeah, so let's they get got the it. long tongues. There's yeah. only one insane bullywug. 
and it's the it's the big one, the frog hemoth. Oh, the frog hemoth, yes. <laughs> that shit's out of this world yeah, it insane. Is, it is. So Kuatoa are short humanoids with a rather paunchy shape to their bodies, standing roughly about five feet tall and weighing approximately 160 pounds. Their arms and legs are slender and lithe despite their relative shortness and bloatedness. Uh, at the end of each limb, they have broad, distended, and partially webbed hands and feet. Each extremity has three main digits and one opposing digit at its end, so they have three fingers and a thumb. Cool. Um, their heads are bullet-shaped fish heads, somewhat like piranha, hosting a mouth of sharp teeth and a pair of bulging silver-black eyes capable of independently swiveling to observe their situation. It's like if a fish grew a bad humanoid body. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like below it. They, they have a very anatomically correct fish head. <laughs> And it's rather disturbing. Looking. And it becomes immediately non-anatomically correct in the form that <laughs> yes, takes exactly. beyond that. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, their bodies are covered in gray scales with yellowish undertones, which can vary in pigmentation based off their emotional state. <laughs> the fucking walking yeah. mood ring I guess, I guess for themselves. Yeah. Yes. Such as dark red when angered or ghostly white when fearful. So yes, it's the answer to your question. So a PC walks into a cave filled with these guys. It's like, you guys look like bad Admiral Akbars. They all turn red. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so coating their rubbery skin in fish scales, Kuotoa have a layer of slippery slime or film that gives their bodies a glimmery sheen. Oh. Um, a lot of slime in these episodes we've been recording lately. Happy um, Jubilix boys, happy. In, indeed. Uh, they are not uh, a very fashionable people and thus they wear very little clothing. Uh, clothing that they do wear is often limited to leather straps for holding their gear. A light stench of rotten fish is constantly exuded by their bodies. It's a naked fish person with leather straps on. Like, <laughs> ah, smelling real bad. I smell like I look exactly. slimy. So a lot of slime, a lot of smells in these last two episodes. I wonder if that's going to continue. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, I was reminded is. about Don't Fart in the Underdark. Yes. But everything is farting down there. Down they know. It they only stops. know. They only know each other's farts. <laughs> don't be a foreigner farting in the right, Underdark. Right, exactly. Only they can do that. Locals only, bruh. I don't even remember where the Don't Fart in the Underdark started. Um, um, I think it was Because the, there were a lot of creatures that detect smells. It was the purple dragons that could like hear. That they was can hear farts. Yes, they could hear farts. <laughs> Welcome to the Dungeon Cast, folks. Um, <laughs> where was I? Okay, so historically, the Kuotoa have had it pretty rough. Okay. Um, it's said that long ago, uh, they once had an empire on the surface of the world, but eventually their power waned and humans and their ilk drove the Kuotoa underground uh, deep into the Underdark. So now Kuotoa can no longer abide daylight at all, which is common for Underdark dwellers. But I mean, again, that sucks. They used to be able to. Now they can't. Yeah. Um, to make matters worse, this was... Uh, when this happened, it was during the height of the Illithid Empire. Mm. And so the Mind Flayers captured the Kuotoa by the thousands and forced them into bondage. You said one of my trigger words right now. The Illithid Empire? Yeah, super, yeah. go watch Super Quest Saga. Indeed. Um, different Illithid Empire, <laughs> yeah. but kind of the same. Um, where was I? So Kuotoa being simple and somewhat soft creatures were very ill-equipped. Um, to enduring the oppressive mental force the Elthids unleashed against them. By the time the Mind Flayers abandoned them, the prolonged psychic subjugation endured by the Kuotoa had driven them all mad. Their minds shattered beyond repair, the Kuotoa adopted a religious fervor and paranoia to protect themselves against outward threats, which in the Underdark, there are very many of those. Mm. So, generally madness t 
taints the minds of the Kuatoa. This is expressed in a number of ways, including hallucinations, both auditory and visual, schizophrenia, ir- irrational phobias, and more. Um, now, not all Kuatoa are outright insane, but they're all a bit mentally askew with uh, both paranoia and fear. And all Kuatoa are at risk of losing their minds at any point of their lives. Oh, wow. Like, it could just happen. You could just scare them really bad from, like, around the corner. Exactly. It just, could, that could be it. That, that could be the triggering point. That, their that synapses disconnect. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, they are extremely suspicious as well as duplicitous, betraying trust for their own benefit so long as they believe that they can do so successfully. I have no compunctions against turning in family members they suspect of crimes to community <laughs> officials. Wow. Yeah, so they're... Yeah, they're it's, they're all they're all right in that fine edge of going insane, exactly as we all do, as we all do, and uh, <laughs> and they're just like turning in their broskies to mm-hmm. their own fish god. Yeah, because people. they're paranoid and scared all the time, including of their own family members. But the one thing that they're not paranoid about, which we're going to kind of get into, is their religion, which runs everything. So they're all diehard zealots. So they have a touchstone to mm-hmm. like jump it's back to. It's their only to. touchstone. Okay, so they're like, this guy but broke the law of our made-up heathen god. Touchstone itself is born from madness. Let's get into it. So, okay. The most notable representation of Kuatoa madness is the fact that they worship gods of their own insane creation. Yeah. Um, their zeal and belief in these deities, though, is so strong that many of their gods have now become real. Uh, the energy of their collective subconscious causing these gods to manifest in actual into actual physical entities. So there's just like a pool of like god clay out there that like responds to the energies of I guess the material so. plane. I guess so. Like I, if it exists in the material world, there must be a god to rule it. So I suppose so. Okay. And, and including these insane Kuatoa. All right. So the form of a Kuatoa god takes uh the form a Kuatoa god takes depends on the inspiration for its divine image. And it's usually random or nonsensical, again, because it's made by insane people. Um <laughs> these concocted religions though have come to completely dominate every aspect of Kuatoa society and uh, all their ways. Way of living they got so are the gods that they the, the made-up gods that they worship are they that are no longer made up are they well they are made up mm-hmm. they are made liter- up literally they are made real up. too yes. yeah yes. Uh, are they depicted in like are we going to talk about what those we're going to talk about one specific like the main one is it a pile of fish eggs no sentient fish eggs no it is not I, that's what i thought of well i mean that's a pretty good one i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that was one but no it's not it's the um, god of birth yeah sure just, i, I can see that i can definitely see that so okay. The last thing I want to add on to Kuoto Madness is the dangerous affectation all Kuotoa possess of having a uh, contagious nature to their madness. So due to their weak wills, the initial break of a Kuotoa's mind has a chance of causing others around them to suffer from similar episodes. <laughs> so, so sensitive. Yes, exactly. So even though madness contracted this way is often confined to temporary breaks in all but the very first victim who broke, um, this is still a very dangerous phenomenon. If not cold or detained quickly, the madness can swiftly infest an entire community, sending it spiraling into chaos, not to mention potentially causing a complete breakdown of their strict hierarchical society and killing important leaders. So there's like a fish, there's like a Kuotoa like pre- grand priest or something like that, mm-hmm. and somebody breaks into the temple and they're like we have a madness outbreak in sector four yeah and they got everybody's got to grab their heads like don't go insane okay let's go handle it <laughs> yeah that's exactly it they have like specialized kuotoa who are like to have trained their mind to not go insane to deal with shit like they this. have a fucking swat team like in uh, like in monsters inc they just yes. break in through the fucking buildings it's true 2319 <laughs> exactly okay you're getting you're getting the right picture so <laughs> Kuta societies are oppressive feudal theocracies ruled by a priest king and nine officials known as priest dukes. Now, I got pretty close there. 
Yeah. Well, yes and no. So now there are uh, Kuatoa words for these titles. Um, for Priest King, it's Vipulgo. And for Priest Dukes, it's Orgpulgupan. But mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm just not. No, it makes total. It makes we're doing perfect. we're doing priest king and priest dukes, and I'm just not. I I okay okay. <laughs> the priest dukes form a religious governing body known as the Sunken Council, uh, which exercises complete control over the, every citizen's lives. Um, each council member dictates a different element of Kuotoa society, with dukes for fishing, trade, war, agriculture, mining, pilgrimage, sacred sites, slavery, and child rearing. Okay, so well, that's nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't count it before, and I just counted it. Good counting, Will. Thank you. While the king and dukes theoretically hold absolute authority over their subjects, the Kuatoan propensity for madness forces noble elites to forge alliances with other elites to mitigate infighting. Um, Directly below the priest dukes are priest princes who might rule over, like, smaller communities, like maybe a town. Okay. Uh, while these ones rule over cities. So these these Kuotoas are established in the United Yeah. They have got, a society. They have cities. They've got some land. So mm-hmm. they really do have a SWAT team that's going to go yeah, stop madness. No, they're, pretty, they're a pretty well thought out and like well organized society uh, considering all the madness and bullshit. Okay, sure. So serving under the Kuotoan nobility are the priest classes known as the Eyes of the Priest King and the Pincers of the Priest Kings. Again, these have Kuotoan words that I'm not saying. Okay. And below them are lesser priest castes that handle sacrifices, enforcing the authority of the Sunken Council and inspiring troops known as Lashes and Whips. Um, their power is bestowed upon them by archpriests rather than the divine energy of their gods. So okay. it's almost like a warlock thing going on there. Yeah. Um, this uh, So this is like a weird, like, semi-safe haven that you might find in the Underdark if you can, like, go coincide with this. You wouldn't be able to coincide with them because they enslave people on site. Oh. They're neutral evil. So this is like uh, heading into, um, what are the snake people? UNT. This is like heading into. These sound like UNT a little bit in the way they kind of. Yeah, uh, I guess I'd rather run into Kuotoa than UNT because UNT are going to do weird shit to you. Kuotoa are just going to put you to work. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you you but have a chance to escape. Thing. Yeah, okay. and they're kind of dumb and they're kind of weak, so you have way better. You the UNT are very big, very strong, very smart, and very scary. Just like let me tell you guys about the sun, a bunch of you at once, and right. then they all lose their fucking minds. Exactly. There you go. And in the chaos, you can escape. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah. So to add on to these many casts of religious oppressors, are a group known as monitors, who are an order of celibate elite warrior monks who act as the secret police of the Kuotoa society. Those uh, whose duties involve the calling of the weak as well as the killing and subduing of the criminal and the insane. Here's your SWAT team. <laughs> the monitors practice a special Kuotoan type of martial art that involves the exercise of mental control and channeling their inner madness through their fists and into their <laughs> opponents. <laughs> Because fuck yeah, that's dope. Madness punch. Yeah, madness punch. Uh, both whips and monitors undergo heavy mental exercise to reduce their capacity for madness. So you that see, they're... my children, the insanity cancels out the insanity. That's why you right. must punch. It's true. Um, so basically, they're less susceptible to the spreading madness disease. So they're the perfect people to deal with it. They can they can just uh, quarantine it in their fists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Dope. So the common Kuotoa citizen... Uh, performs the needed menial labor of society, such as fishing, farming, or guard duty. Kuotoa make excellent fishermen capable of diving deep to collect mollusk crustaceans of fish from the depths of their underground pools. They can breathe underwater. They're perfectly fit for it. Their agricultural endeavors pertain to farming fields of mushrooms, uh, just like Zuckmoy likes, uh, and kelp lit by phosphorescent fungi. 
Due to their poor mining skills, though, Kuotoa employs slave labor in order to conduct mining operations. And as we have said in previous episodes, underdark society across all the races is rife with slavery of captured enemies. It's just, it's like the commodity of the underdark. Oh, wow. It's what the drow do, the illithids do it, the Kuotoa do it, the darrow do it. Like, it's it's a scary place to live, and it's why... Um, the deep gnomes, man, they got a rough down there. They got to, they got to, they got to hide, man. Yeah, they got to hide. They just got to hide. Yeah, I bet there's a lot of deep gnomes that are you. If you wander upon, if you happen upon these civilizations, mm-hmm. you'll see deep gnomes being used as slaves there. Oh, definitely, yeah, absolutely, all the time. Um, it's amazing that the deep gnomes have a functioning like society with cities at all, considering all the enemies around them. Maybe but they just breed a lot, and they're like rabbits. They find little pockets. Maybe, maybe we'll do like a focus episode on some. Um, Deep gnomes. Like deep gnomes. I feel like we haven't given them enough attention. Yeah. A lot of people don't know they have litters and they know that a few don't, of them are going to get lost to slavery. Don't make stuff up. People okay. get so upset. It's weird. Okay. Not so allowed with, to make stuff up in the D&D <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Within the rigid caste system of the Kuatoa, those of higher status are fanatically fawned over while inferiors are treated little better than slaves. Mm. The caste system has effects all the way down to the children of Kuatoa, with normally only noble spawn being allowed to become priests or monitors, and young ones grouped into pens sorted by their gender, fitness, and nobility. However, Kuatoa society is also extremely merit- meritocratic, uh, with skill being a major determinant in an individual's place. Okay. Another unfortunate flaw in their oppressive society is the combination of the Kuatoa's propensity towards insanity and the structure of the justice system. So, Because <laughs> the system is extremely... Uh, authoritarian and not designed to remove those unfit for power, nobility suffering from madness of their own have a tendency to retain their positions, forcing monitors, the ones who normally like take out the insane people, Mm -hmm. uh, forcing them to apply interpretations to their teachings to, you know, keep the system running with some monitors becoming inefficient themselves because of their own mental disorders. Uh Um, When this happens, Kuotoa society inevitably rots from the top. Okay, so there are like multiple pockets of Kuatoa society, like yeah, they're not one city. cohesive thing. Like they're spread out throughout the underdark. Okay, yeah. so like the rise and fall of the Kuatoa in like one area is not super uncommon. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, let's take a short rest. Okay. All right. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Come check out our D&D 5e actual play podcast, Super Quest Saga, the show where Will, Brian, your special guest Jake, and friend of the show Josh Freeland sit around the table and play some Dungeons and Dragons in space. It's Will's homebrew sci-fi space opera campaign. Find it on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! We've returned. Indeed we have. Well, that was quite the short shortest, Brian. Yeah. Let's get, <laughs> let's get rid of that bad boy every other week. Indeed. So uh, we're back. We're talking about Kuotoa, and let's get into their religion since I said it runs their everything, and we kind of went over their uh, societal structure. Yeah. So easily the most revered and widely worshipped gods of the Kuotoa is an entity known as Bibdulpulp, the Sea Mother. I'm going to keep calling her the Sea Mother for the rest of this episode. The Sea Mother. I'll say her name one more time. You don't like Lady B? I, I could go with Lady B too, okay. but uh, I'm going to say her name one more time, and that's all you're getting. You can say the Sea Mother, and I'll say Lady B. Okay, Blip Dual Poop Blip Dool is her Poop. name. If she's known have, as the Sea Mother, also Lady have, B. Uh, can, well, get, I know you just said you're going to say it one more time, but could you say it one more time for me? Why? Why? Because I didn't get it. Okay, goddamn it. Blip right. Dual Blip, Blip Dual Poop Blip Dual Poop. If you have no, a, no, not poop, not poop, it's pool, pulp, mm-hmm. like pulp, like pulp, pulp. Yes, there you go. If it. you have a blip dual poop joke, because I'm not going to go for these anymore, just hit me yeah. up in the comments below if you got a good one on that. All right. So the sea mother <laughs> takes the form of a female humanoid with a crayfish head, uh, crayfish claws, and an articulated shell covering her shoulders. Sounds oh, cool. Yeah. Some scholars believe that the sea mother, God, the name came up again. Lady the B. sea mother, Lady B, <laughs> was likely invented by Kuotoa that improved upon a broken human statue that they found by adding limbs in the head of a crustacean. I was going to say, like, so they came up with, like, this cohesive image. Like, I was right. expecting, like, a fucking old one, like, right, description, right. you know? No, it, I, I really like this, this scholarly theory that, no, they found, like, a broken human statue and they, like, carved a crayfish head and lobster claws on it. Some dark little mermaid shit. Right. And in sudden awe of its own handiwork, it then named the resulting form a god. <laughs> like, oh, Princess Eric. <laughs> right. Lady so, B. So the sea mother is a neutral evil deity filled with hatred for the pain her Kuotoa children children suffered at the hands of many races. So, so Kuotoa da Vinci made the statue and was like filled with hate. <laughs> filled Enjoy. With hate. Well, <laughs> this is our is God like, now. <laughs> 
He's in awe of the statue, names it a god, everyone's crazy, so they believe in him. Enough people believe in her to the point where she she wakes the fuck up and she's <laughs> like, Oh, I have children and I'm me and I'm who they think I am. And now that she's their patron mother, she's like, oh, my poor children. Look at what everyone's done to them. Oh, my God. You guys are fucking insane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bet there was a lot of Kuatoa, like, bad dinner time discussions. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no, <laughs> this is our God now. Right. <laughs> and they're like, no, you just made a statue, right? 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 I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure this is very much how it probably went down. So, uh, again, she's filled with hatred for the pain her Kuatoa children have suffered at the hands of many races, uh, the being driven from the surface world by the humans, the mind-breaking enslavement of the Illithids, and the ongoing enmity the Kutoa have with the drow first and foremost, but also everybody else because the Underdark sucks. Okay. Um, due to the nature of her being the figment of the... Where was I? Due to the nature of her being the figment of the insane Kuotoa's imaginations, the Sea Mother is herself an irrational and bipolar being. Okay. Prone to unpredictable mood swings and fickle changes in behavior. Her paranoia and shifting moods make her highly secretive, shunning contact with almost all other deities. Uh, Furthermore, she believes herself to hold a deeply fundamental magical secret related to the nature of the universe. Uh, But of course, in her paranoia, she hoards this supposed secret to herself, making it impossible to fact check and raising the possibility and probability (laughs) that these secrets are as dreamed up as she is. Worship me. I have deep, dark (laughs) secrets of the the magical universe. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. well, she said it. Are you guys sure? That is God. It is a God. Okay. So she also keeps up the egotistical delusion that the Kuatoa are still a mighty and renowned empire by surrounding herself uh, in her realm with countless ocean-dwelling life to convince herself that neither she nor her people's power have diminished. It's like the uh, the Krabby Patty secret formula. Like, is it real? Is or it is real? It, is it fake? Well, I think it is real. It is, it's, it's, it's inherently yeah, real in right. the concept of SpongeBob SquarePants, which mm-hmm. is coming up quite a bit. Did it come up last time? I episode? mentioned Squidward in the last you one. You did. You yeah. did. Over the dungeon cast, folks. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. So the Sea Mother spends most of her personal time plotting her ultimate revenge against the surface dwellers who forced her chosen race into hiding. Oh, I was going to say, like, you get birthed into existence. What could you possibly try to be revenging? Like, right. It's, uh, it's like, for her people. She's just carrying someone else's burden. She's she, like, I'm their god. I got to take up some of their strife. Exactly. Or maybe right. it's just vengeance for being born. And she's just really upset about she's it. Like, I got to fucking take so this out on somebody, not my lovely fish boys. Also is known to physically attend large scale sacrificial rituals conducted by her priest when many humanoids are being drowned. She's super into it. <laughs> Aside from this, she spends some time dealing with visitors to her realm, which is known as the Murky Depths, um, who would make large offerings in exchange for small favors from the goddess herself. She does not send omens to the Kuatoa as warnings or assistance, but simply to communicate her pleasure or her displeasure, which okay. can be quite random due to her capriciousness. Okay. Um, cool. Most Kuatoa societies are based around the worship of the Sea Mother. I'll say it one more time. Lady B. Blip dool poop. Um, her priests conduct constant <laughs> sacrifices in her name in ceremonial drowning pools, usually choosing of captives and slaves, although Kuotoa perceived to be mad or defiant could also be sacrificed. Okay. Um, not all tribes worship the Sea Mother, though. Some Kuotoa worship more conventionally accepted as real beings, such as the Demon Lord Demogorgon. Uh, trying to shout out to Demogorgon, shout out to Demogorgon. Uh, <laughs> trying to appeal to him so that he would aid them in the restoration of their empire. Other worship evil gods, such as the slimy and eldritch Guanadar, which we've talked about. He's like 
both an ooze god and a drow god and he oh. was like super in love with Loth, but Loth was like right. gross. yeah yeah and the tyrannical bane who i don't even know at this point in forgotten realms if bane's still alive like he was alive then he died then he was alive and then he died and then i don't know if he's still alive but he's <laughs> a god of murder it's the god of murder. Okay. And no, god of tyranny. Sorry. God of um, tyranny. I forgot. The god of murder also starts with a B in Forgotten Realms. But anyways, the water deity is... Mr. B. Isticia <laughs> and the mistress of darkness, Shar. We talked about Shar in the mystery episode. Mm-hmm. Finally, some Kuotoa might also worship Krakens, Aboliths, or other Eldritch Horrors with their madness having blinded them to their manipulation by said entities. Now that we've covered Krakens, it totally makes sense that a Kraken would want some oh, deity worship. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. So wait, a good episode. K- Krakens in the Underdark? Sure, I think so. There's oceans in the Underdark. There so are oceans yeah. in the Underdark. And all. Uh, I'm pretty sure I also made canon that the Underdark is connected to everything via water tunnels, like Loch Ness style. I think we did talk about that, and it does make some sort of sense. So. Yeah. So just a Kraken just weaving through one of these tunnels shows up. It's like, oh, these Kuotoa fishies are mine now. Right. So Kuotoa have essentially no allies and are outright antagonistic to almost every other subterranean race and all surface dwellers. Um, they have no, tracks. Yeah, they have no qualms about kidnapping others and sacrificing them to their gods or using them as slave labor, with one quarter of their entire population comprising of slaves. Hmm. As I said before, they have a special enmity with the drow who have had uh, an exterminate on-site policy with them at some points in their history. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Despite hating and fearing the drow, though, the Dark Elves are still among the Kuotoa's most common trading partners, and they will even go as far as to cooperate with the drow to raid Deep Gnome settlements. God, this poor Deep Wow. And capture them for sacrifice. Oh. Um, also for slavery, because, again, Kuotoa suck at mining. Guess who's amazing at mining? Deep Gnomes. So Deep Gnomes' worst nightmare is, like, a Kuotoa settlement popping up and boxing them in with yeah, like a drought sure. settlement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this partnership is always strictly business, and the two peoples will still hold minor skirmishes and capture each other as slaves. Okay. So, like, they'll partner up for a day, and then they're back to being enemies. I forget that the Underdark is, like, so intensely huge. Oh, like yeah. How the scale it's of like this place the is, the size like, of a continent, right? Yeah, um, it, it's really hard to picture to picture it just in general yeah like we've talked about yeah. it so much but i always picture like just big massive caves well yeah and it kind of is but it there's also is. like pathways and and canyons and, and crags and oceans and lakes and all this other stuff all it's, within cave it's so different it is very different yeah so similar to how normal fish spawn female kuotoa lay eggs in communal pools that are later fertilized by the males Young Kuotoa, known as fingerlings, uh, resemble a cross between tadpoles and fish. They are about a foot tall and entirely aquatic, living in the pools for a year before they grow to about three feet tall and become fully amphibious. These, excuse me, these five-year-olds, wait, wait, these older fingerlings are then raised in separate pens based on various factors, such as lineage and talents, which we talked about earlier, until reaching five years old and becoming full-grown adults. So they're full-grown at five. That's cool. That's crazy. Fun. Uh, when Kuotoa reached semi-maturity, culling rituals uh, do sometimes take place in order to reduce the large number of them that were spawned from as a form of population control. <laughs> oh, wow. So the Underdark, you have to control your population because there's limited resources. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to, but yeah, most most evil uh, races seem to. You can see like the Grand Poobah Priest or whatever looking out from their tower out onto like the the their span of, you mm-hmm. know, their exist city? city? Yeah, sure, they have cities. Yeah, and just be like, 
too many fish. <laughs> right, exactly. And the fucking monks are like cracking their knuckles. Yes. Like it's time. Time for a calling, right. That's <laughs> Brethren, brutal. weave your madness into your knuckles. <laughs> so fingerling, fingerlings. It's time to punch some babies. Yeah, basically. Fingerlings uh-huh. are generally not treated as individuals until they survive to adulthood. So again, they have no qualms doing this. Damn. Uh, Kotoa have a life expectancy of approximately 60 years. So they live a kind of long time. Okay. So despite their terrible reputation, Kuotoa are not all necessarily evil. Within their repressive theocratic society, common Kuotoa simply do not possess anywhere near enough willpower to oppose the ruling <laughs> caste. But when separated from these societies, Kuotoa can and do adopt neutral and good philosophies such as pacifism. Oh, wow. Okay. It's just they're, they're caught in a cycle and they're super weak-willed. So they're just they're stuck in that cycle. They like revert back to like they're more fish inherited like genetic yeah, I guess so. Like most fish. They have to work as a school. Most fish are pacifists, if you think I about it. I guess so, sure. <laughs> Just by nature. That's not true. Fish are mean as fuck, actually. Oh. Fish are nasty mean. I've had a lot of different fish uh, in fish tanks growing up. So then these are, oh, well, that's tanked fish. I wonder what real fish are like out there. You know, like salmon. Are they just chilling? They're just chilling I don't know. eating. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I'm not, I'm not a salmon. I'm not algae? a salmon expert. <laughs> Are you ready to look at their stats? Are these guys licking the fucking underdark, nasty sponge rocks? Like I mean, the, the algae off of the... What are, these sure guys, what are these guys eating? They farm mushrooms and they fish. I told you that. They farm and they fish. Yeah. They, they're eating their cannibals. What? They're eating fish? Yeah, they are eating fish. I guess they are cannibals. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Gross. I mean, it, you got to eat what you got to eat. Is so. there any link to... um? Well, fish eat other fish. Zuck All the me? time. Zuck. Yeah, I guess, I guess they're not. Pe- fish are not. Forget what I fucking said about pacifist fish. <laughs> Fuck fish. They're like birds. They're like right. the birds of the sea. Well, yeah. <laughs> what were you saying? Uh, so the mushroom thing. Is it connected to Zuck to me? Zuck Tommy? Zuck. Zuckmoy. Zuckmoy. Um, yes, in the Zuckmoy episode, I said she has the best time forming cultists down there because right, people love mushrooms down there. So like she can convince people that she's like a benevolent food giving God. So just combine to smash this episode into the last episode. Yeah. We recorded. Well, get ready to smash the next one into these two too. Cause oh, it's all sick. connected. But, There's an um, underdark sandwich down here. Indeed. Indeed. It it's is a fish sandwich. But before we can get to the next episode, <laughs> I have to go over these stats. You asked me if I had stuff to talk about. No, I asked you if you had questions. That, those were questions. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So we got three stat blocks. I don't know if I'm going to go over all them in detail. I just kind I want to say this is that shit I do like is when <laughs> you have like your base stat. We have our base Kuotoa, but then we have our Kuotoa Wits, and then we have our Kuotoa Archpriest. Nice. And like they do a good job. Fivey does a good job of doing this with the mobs. So like orcs oh, get yeah. this and hobgoblins get this. Yeah. But they don't do a good job when it comes to the more um, beefy less tribal characters it's like it's like i want my my griffin dreadnought i want my mm. you know whatever i want my souped up version of the base thing i get it well but, with um, this it's like well you're gonna have some variation because it's a culture exactly yeah so they did good here and i like to see it so um let's go over it kuotoa uh, medium humanoid neutral evil um armor class 13 that's the natural armor um only 18 hit points this is challenge rating one quarter so they're weak little guys yeah um, again, their, their strength is in numbers. They're amphibious, so they can breathe air and water. They have otherworldly perception. The Kuotoa can sense the presence of any creature within 30 feet of it that is invisible. Or, oh, yeah, so they... I, I forgot to mention this because it was hard for me to fit into the notes in a way that, like... I should have put it at the end for fun facts. Um, because of the psychic experimentation that was done on the Kuotoa, 
they're, they have a very, very, very slight natural propensity for like some psychic ability, and one of it is this otherworldly perception. Okay, cool. Um, it's this rare like that Ill- they're outright psychics, but they have they have a touch. They've been like fucked with by illithids. Right. Yeah. So uh, then they have slippery. The Kuatoa's advantage on ability checks and saving throws made a get made to escape a grapple. And then sunlight sensitivity, like everything in the internet. So just nude, you know, like, su- nude slime yeah, monsters exactly. that don't like the sun. Exactly, it's true. <laughs> so they have a bite attack, a spear attack, and a net attack. Um, the bite is a D4 plus one. The spear is a D8 plus one. Again, they're weak, so they, they don't have much of a mod there. The net's probably the most interesting thing. It's a plus three to hit, range five to 15 feet. Uh, works on a large or smaller creature, and if it's a hit, the target is restrained. A creature can use this action to make a DC 10 strength show, check to free itself. Or another creature in a net, ending the effect on their success, dealing five slashing damage to the net, frees the target without harming it. So it's like, it's a way to eat a person's turn. Okay. It's like, well, you got to use the action to escape. Yeah. So have fun. That's pretty strong in d d It's like burning somebody's Yeah, especially turn. at the early levels, which yeah. I would imagine you'd fight Kuotoa early levels, even though you shouldn't be in the Underdark at early levels. No. Lastly, they have a reaction, Sticky Shield. When a creature misses the Kuotoa with a melee weapon attack, the Kuotoa uses its Sticky Shield to catch the weapon. The attacker must succeed a DC 11 strength saving throw. The weapon becomes stuck to the Kuotoa's shield. If the weapon's wielder can't or won't let go of the weapon, the wielder is grappled while the weapon is stuck. While stuck, the weapon can't be used. Excuse me. A creature can pull the weapon free by taking an action to make a DC 11 strength checked and succeeding. Okay. I love that. It's called a sticky shield. Yeah, so they can do a couple tricky things that probably make them punch us slightly above their, their uh, what's it called? Their, their CR. Weight class. Yeah. Or CR. Um, but even then, they're they're really squishy. I mean, again, only 18 hit points and 13 armor class. Like, you can get messed up if you're a certain <clears throat> style of fighter coming in here. Right. You know? Usually, like, range seems pretty safe, but that's why you have such low AC and HP as, like, wizards and stuff. Right. So the next one up is the Kudo Whip, which is not the the secret police, but they're kind of like the enforcers of the law or whatever. Okay. These monk guys that punched Madness? No, the whips aren't the monk guys. Oh, okay. The monitors are the monk guys. The monitors. I don't have a stat block from the monitors. I got the whips. Okay. So... Um, they actually have a lower armor class, but way more HP. Um, they're challenge rating one, so four times the base Kuatoa. Okay. Um, HP 65. Um, let me see what's pertinent here. Most of the stuff is the same. They have all the same um, features, amphibious, otherworldly world perception, slippery, sunlight sensitivity. But they also have natural spell casting. These are the guys that get their spells from the Archpriest. Nice. Okay. Um they can cast Sacred Flame, Thaumaturgy, Bane, Shield of Faith. They get a multi-attack with their bite, and they have a pincer staff that does piercing damage and can grapple the enemy. They're really into grappling. Yeah, but they're slimy, like yeah. so they can control they're their good stick. At, they're good at not being grappled, and they're great at grappling. Yeah, they're like, I can slip out of here. I can use my sticky to grab. Right. <laughs> and then lastly, we have the Kuto Archpriest, which is a nice boss fight if you have like a kuotoa based campaign at like the lower levels it's a challenge rating six okay uh 97 hp um still only 13 armor class all the same features uh with better spell casting than the whip so they can cast guidance sacred flame thaumaturgy detect magic sanctuary shield of faith hold person spiritual web they're they're clerics they get cleric spells this is really cool yeah um th- so they have they have cleric magic yeah so. mass cure wounds scrying divination all that shit. so like this is the benefit of them having their own special statue god exactly that they like, redesigned. they're capable of making their own gods and becoming clerics to their own gods they fuck it up make it look like a fish and then we're uh. gonna bring it to life <laughs> right exactly um the archpriest has a multi-attack with the scepter and an unarmed strike 
honestly, there's nothing really special about either, except for the scepter does kind of hit like a fucking brick shit house. So it's plus six to hit. Um, one d six plus three bludgeoning damage plus four d six lightning damage. So I guess that's oh, wow. special, yeah. And uh, then the unarmed strong strike is just a weak punch. One d four plus three. Oh, okay. So so yeah, some monkey stuff. Those are your Kuatoa. Any questions about them? Um, what would you do for the monitor? Like if you wanted to, that seems like really important, and it seems um, strange that it's not statted out. I would probably first take a look at the um, what are they called in the back of all the different monster manual style books they have like the npc not templates but they're like stat blocks for npc you'd like use them as randomizers yeah and i know there's a couple monk ones so i would first look at those and see if i can find one that's at about a challenge rating three so halfway between the whip and the archpriest okay cool and then i'd go from there um i don't know what i do about the insanity fist so that's a, that's a that's a weird one well isn't it just used as like a counter to oh like, I don't know if the insanity is being turned into kinetic energy that they're punching with or if they're taking their insanity, punching and then transferring that insanity into the person and making them crazy. Huh. So it wasn't it wasn't explained. So <laughs> I don't know. OK, well, I mean, that'll. Be I up, didn't look into it. It's so. up to you guys. Have fun making your your monk kuotoas. With that being said, I think we can get ready for a long rest. Let's do it. All right. Well, William, I'm sitting here with my glass of warm milk. I've got my jammy <laughs> bottoms on because it's a chilly night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, pillows surrounding my body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A small tome in my hand. Tell me a small more. tome, is that like a, is that a thing? Tomes are large, right? I don't know if all tomes are large. Are all tomes large? Well, I have When s- I picture a tome, I picture a large book. Yes. Well, I have tome light in my hand. Just some <laughs> okay, light bedtime gotcha. reading. Indeed. Um, let's talk about... New merch in the merch shop. Is it there yet? I don't know, but it will be soon if it's not. It will not. be soon. And if it's not, there's still a bunch of other merch you can buy. Yeah, there's totally. mugs. You should actually go get mugs. It's just got, um, we like to get art commissioned whenever we can because it's super dope and we mm-hmm. love artists. Yeah. So um, thanks everybody for making art in our Discord. If you want to see fan art about like mostly Super Quest Saga, go check out Super Quest Saga and then go check out the fan art because it's super cool. I'm going to yeah, try to is, post more of it really on cool. Instagram when yeah. I remember. Um, uh, the contest is over indeed it is and we don't know who's won yet because we record this way ahead of time but we will know soon and as soon as we do we'll announce it here on the show and uh we've probably already announced it on twitter already so yeah if you want like a read-along guide to what we're talking about all this information is in the show notes below it's true um let's see let's we got some we got some fan mail this is we me. do uh-huh, That's the that sound physical of physical yeah, mail. Physical mail. Here it is. Just kidding. It's very digital. We live in the future. Yeah. Zach Dieter's back. Hey guys, love the show. I've been listening for a little over a year now. And I was wondering what made both of you decide to do the dungeon mm, cast. I was okay. wondering if you could tell everyone some of your personal history with each other and the cast. Nightwork at apartments. Yes, the answer me, to all me this. and Brian used to work together, and that's how we met. And uh, just I, the two of us. I've been playing D anD D for years, and I would always tell him about my D anD D adventures. Got him into D anD D. We were playing for a while, and uh, we both actually got into podcasts around the same time. Yeah, and we were mm-hmm. like, "Why don't we put these two things together?" Okay, yeah. my mic. Let's make uh, one of these things yes, that we like. The, exactly, and uh, we were kind of already doing the show. And hmm, maybe not doing the show, but doing something similar to show anyways by talking about D&D in front of our coworkers and making them laugh. And yeah. So, well, like, we should ex- record this. Like, you, got, you know about goblins, man? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's exactly what I would do. Let me tell you about goblins. Let me tell you about goblins. And then you're just like, let's make a let's make a podcast yes. where I tell you about goblins. Absolutely. And we've done so fucking many of yeah, them Yeah, we've now. done a lot. <laughs> I could, like, I can't. 
all the information is just like pouring out of me. I can't uh, keep it all in anymore. I did a whole improv campaign, not a, not a finished one. We mm-hmm. played we played played for like six months or something where mm-hmm. I just did improv DMing based off of information I could recall about the dungeon cast. Right, and nice. it worked out real good. I had dragons and air elementals and like all kinds of cool stuff. That oh I, yeah, I was like, oh, roll a history check. I don't need to fucking do anything. Yeah. I just need to remember that one episode. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad that it worked. That's there's awesome. some there's some inf- information that won't cohese, and I could tell mm-hmm. um, Zuck to me is going to be the the name there is just like yeah, fucking Zuck killing me. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much. If you wanted to elaborate, we dropped a uh, super talk saga. Uh, Super Quest Saga Talks episode. Um, you can go check that out. We kind of talk about our history with um, how we got into all this. So mm-hmm. if you want us to elaborate on that, you can go check that out. But thanks for, for writing in, Zach. Um, so uh, this next one's from David. Hi, Will and Brian. Hi, David. Hello. Uh, me and my friend, friends, we're discussing how to become a god as a PC. I brought up your video about warlocks, smiley face emoticon. Uh, none of us had the idea that being an apprentice, None of us had that idea uh, that being an apprentice to a semi-divine being would be a possibility to maybe become a god oneself. But what possibilities do uh, like other possibilities exist? Could you two please make a video about that topic? Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. That's Will. Today we're talking about how to become a god. This is that episode. <laughs> Here's your video. Here's your video, <laughs> dude. Just start it right here. Whatever the time marker is, this is it. That's um, hilarious. Um... Ways to become a god. Uh, I think the obvious one and the one that gets written about in Forgotten Realms a lot is if you kill a god, you can take their, you know, essence or whatever and become a god. Grab a god by the cuff of their shirt and shake them until they relinquish their god powers there to you. There we go. Just um, like intimidation check over and over again. Or in um, honor of the Kotoa episode, I mean, if you invent a cult around yourself that worships you as a god, get enough of those people doing that, you might become a god. Go down to the Underdark, dress up like a fish. It'll work. It'll work. I Dance around and do prestidigitation a lot. <laughs> and they're going to fucking, you know, yes. all of a sudden you'll be doing like way more than prestidigitation. Yes, absolutely. You'll accidentally vaporize your Kuatoa followers. Well, I hope that answers your question. Stinks down there in the Underdark. Didn't we have one more? Uh, do we have another question? Well, I guess, no, uh, one oh, more, one more way. I guess oh, the I Warlock know. thing where you can just like well, yeah, kind of weasel that, your way. That's into, one that David mentioned. And apparently we, we talked about it. Apparently. Yeah. I don't actually remember. It was so long ago. It was a while ago, but I, I kind of bring it up. Uh, like it rings I, a bell. It rings a bell. For sure. You just shake your, your Warlock deity until they give you all their powers. <laughs> right. Um, I like the cult one. That's probably the best bet. Yeah, that one's, that one's fun. It seems pretty easy to start a cult. I think we <laughs> can call it a game. Let's call it a game. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we still... <laughs> What's the intro again? This is the podcast where... It's the podcast where we talk about everything. Okay, Dungeons there it is. Yeah. <sighs> it's one of those days. Come on. I gotta get through it. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from kingly kinship to kicking killers. <laughs> yeah, you it? did it. I did it, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shout again. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm no, Will. I, I burped really oh, okay. hardcore into the mic. <laughs> Just trying to force them out so they don't come up later. Yeah, 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 it's all good. Just tell me when you're good. I'm good. Okay. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story. Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. 
Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.